Versace, Versace, Medusa head on me like I'm a Manati. I, I, I know that you like it. Versace, my neck and my wrist is so sloppy. Versace, Versace, I love it. Versace, the top of my Audi. I plug a Jungati, he give me the dust and I know that they might. Welcome everybody to Off The Cuff. I am Adam Banks. Thank you for listening to the show. Coming at you live from the Belmont Studio in Lexington, Kentucky. Amber is here with me. And Amber, as I come out to the podcast, I play the song Migos. It's called Versace by Migos. And uh, the reason I bring that up, Amber, is because Versace is hitting the spotlight again. Yes, he is. And anybody who's known me uh, since probably birth knows that I am a Versace fan. You wear Versace clothes? I would love to wear Versace clothes, but I have a feeling that my husband would tell me I do not have Versace money. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, what's going on is Gianni Maria Versace is getting... A story done on him by the, what's it called? Um, it's American Crime Story. Um, it is uh, Ryan Murphy, Brad Falchuk. I think I said that right, Falchuk. Mm-hmm. Um, they are the creators of American Horror Story, which everybody loved. It's been out, I guess, now for eight eight years now. I think they've been doing it since about 2010, yeah. maybe 2011. Um, so what they did last season was at an OJ. Yeah. Everybody went crazy over OJ. That was an awesome show, though. Yes, it was. It won several Emmys. I was addicted to it. It was a very good show, and, you know, I think that it finally kind of put to rest some of those questions everybody has, like, oh, yeah. damn, man, what happened behind the scenes? Yeah, that was an awesome show, but it's basically that same show that did OJ that covered his story is yep. covering a story about the death of Gianni Maria Versace. He was murdered, right, on the he, front steps of his home? On the front step, July 15th, 1997, Versace woke up, and it actually, it, 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 it just depicts everything that happened from the time he woke up until the time he was shot. Yeah. Um, and he woke up that morning in this obviously lavish house because I'm pretty sure that they actually were given the rights to go into the Versace mansion in Miami. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of things are shown. Definitely, we would never live this way. I mean, this man, just everything around him was beautiful. Right. So he wakes up. He goes downstairs, has breakfast by a swimming pool. You know, that's absolutely immaculate and yeah. just beautiful. His, his help brings him, you know, his food and his help all... You you know, love and adore him. And for some reason on this particular morning, he decided he was going to walk himself down to a little shop by his house because he picked up all the magazines, all the magazines that were released each day. He would normally send his assistant this particular day. He decided, I'm going to go myself. And get... And can get these magazines himself. Okay. Uh, so he goes and... Nobody you know, knew he was planning on doing that himself that day. Well, now his boyfriend, uh, who is portrayed by Ricky Martin in yeah. the series, I think his name is Antonio... Antonia, Antonio, uh-huh. um, sees him leave. So, you know, he, he kind of kisses him goodbye, you know, as he's going on out because everybody's going on about their daily routine. Yeah. Uh, you don't ever wake up thinking, oh man, today's the day I'm going to die. And what time was this? Um, this was roughly around eight o'clock in the morning. Okay. Um, Early. yep. We'll say probably about eight thirty, yeah. um, because I think he was shot at like nine Oh five. And was he coming home? He was coming home. So he was stopped by some tourists, um, on his way and they asked him, you know, Oh, can we get your autograph? And that has been proven to have been a true event. Yeah. And he said, no, 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 you know, not, not today, but thank you. Yeah. You know, he walked down, got his magazines, was coming home, and unfortunately, a 27-year-old Filipino, uh, or I guess half Filipino, half American boy, I'm going to say boy because I feel like his his actions were very much childish, yeah. um, named Andrew Cunnan, um, actually saw Versace trying to get into his gate. Man had his key in the door of his gate, was two seconds from getting in his house, and this man came out of nowhere, and he ended... The life of a beautiful person. 
Well, so Versace, he actually was a decent human being. You know, there are things that come out um, that have come out since then, and there are things that are now coming out again. Um, you know, everybody lives their own life. Yeah. You know, I I don't care if you had sex with thirty people last night. Are you a decent person? Yeah. And he brought beauty into the world. Yeah, he did. Versace was a beautiful brand that he yes. that is still circling around well, people's it, closets. You know, his sister actually took over and it actually talks about how they made the decision the day that he was killed because I think he was pronounced dead at like 9.17 or 9.20 a.m. Yeah. And how his sister Donatella made the decisions that day on what was going to happen with the company. She chose to keep it a privately owned company. Mm-hmm. Versace had, you know, drawn up papers to make it a public, uh, public stock exchange for the New York yeah. um, stock exchange program. And she personally chose to not do that. And everybody, I think, thought, okay, Versace's dead, the line's dead. Right. Um, she refused to allow that to happen. Yeah. And she chose that day that she was going to continue um, what her brother had started, which I think is very beautiful. I thought it was a very beautiful thing that she was able to do that. Um, I, so I look forward to it. I think it's going to be an amazing show. I it think is. it's going to answer a lot of questions that we have all wondered about it. I think it's going to give an inside scoop of what that day was like, mostly. Well, no, it's not just about that day. It's uh-huh. actually about Andrew Cunning in general. And yeah. he is portrayed by the wonderful Darren Chris, which I absolutely love. I'm sorry, honey. I would marry Darren Chris in a heartbeat. But... You should watch it. It comes on Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Uh, we're going on our third episode. Um, there are four episodes total in this installment. You mean it's already started? Yes, it's already started. I, I thought this was like an upcoming show. No, 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 no. But it is everywhere right now. So what channel is it on? Um, it is on FX. Yeah. Uh, so the same channel that, you know, had American Horror Story. And what's it called? Had, it's called American Crime, The Assassination of Gianni Versace. So basically, it's not about Gianni Versace. It's about his murder. Well, it's about how... I think that the series is trying to portray that because Andrew Cunningham was he's like number four forty six or four forty nine on America's Most Wanted list, um, and they the series is shaping it to appear as though Versace is the catalyst that made this young man decide that he needed to live this life of grandeur, yeah. and that's basically what it's about. So if you want to see just action packed, beautiful cast. Penelope Cruz, um, like I said, Darren Chris, Ricky Martin, um, one of the girls from uh, Orange is the New Black is on there. It's just a, just a good show. Well, Wednesdays at 10. Definitely have to watch it. Now, Amber, uh, the, a tragic story, a tragic death has happened once again. And uh, it was, her name was Cranberry? No. <laughs> <laughs> what was her name? Um, Dolores O'Reardon. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, passed away uh, on the 15th of this month. And uh, I don't know if you remember, but this was kind of our song. This was mine and your song. In high school. I thought we our song was Across the Universe. That was in college. You got to kick it back a little bit. So this song was our song in high school. In high school. So this has true sentimental meaning to true both True sentimental us. value to us. Even though I don't remember it being our song. You don't remember anything about us. But that is, oh, that's not true. <laughs> that is not true. But that is, um, this song, you know what this song reminds me of? Click. Click. Not Stephen Click. Not Stephen Click. But it, <laughs> it reminds me of Adam Sandler's movie Click because they kept playing this song throughout the entire movie. But uh, so the woman, the lead singer of the band Cranberries. The Cranberries. Yeah, the Cranberries. She passed away. She did, at unfortunately. At 46 years old. She did. Um, it's very sad. They had taken a hiatus and they were actually getting back together. She was actually recording at the time that she passed away. Yeah, this um, song right here, I don't care how many songs they did, no song got bigger than this one. You know, they had three very huge songs. They've got Linger, which is what's playing, mm-hmm. Dreams, which is one of my absolute favorite, and then Zombie, 
which are three very uh, memorable songs by this group. Obviously, they've got a full catalog of music, but these those three are very. Forty six though. Why forty? Why did she die at forty six? Did they say what was going on? Well, you know they they did you know release a few things about her, but unfortunately it's gonna be one of those things we gotta wait for an autopsy. Yeah. Um, she was extremely depressed. Yeah. Um, kind of you know things that everybody deals with. So it just goes to show. It doesn't matter how famous you are or how beautiful your voice is. You know, depression. Depression knows nobody's name. Isn't that the truth? And I think that's such a true statement. Depression knows nobody's name. It doesn't matter how much money you got, what your lifestyle is like. Everybody is sub is subject to depression. Yes. People can get depressed. Some people can become depressed on their own. They're not clinically depressed, but they become... I think clinically depressed is when you are... It's chemically imbalanced. Well, I mean, chemical, brain, right? ki- clinical depression can be, you know, whether it's a chemical imbalance or whether, you know, it, it, it is your environment. I mean, clinical depression is clinical depression. Okay, so I thought clinical depression was not your environment. I thought there was a difference in, I thought ki- clinical was it was in your brain, and I thought regular depression. No, that just means that you actually have a diagnosis, and that's unfortunately what kind of gets people is people don't ever want to admit that things aren't beautiful yeah. and things aren't you know as fascinating as they want other people to believe that they are yeah. you know they I'm don't not... want to admit they're depressed they're like embarrassed of it well it, it's 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 defeating it's yeah. a very defeating thing yeah. because you can't put your finger on it yeah. you can't physically see it you it's feel... not like breaking your leg yeah or your knee you feel oh, like God. that you feel like that you've lost at life if you're depressed because exactly. life is beating you up Exactly. You have succumbed to your surroundings, which we are taught from a young age. You need to rise above. What was that old saying they used to tell us? You know, shoot for the star. You know, shoot for the moon. Even if you lose, you know, miss, you'll be with the stars. Yeah, and it's just, it's, you know, it people like Dolores, who is 46 years old, depressed, has all the money and the fame in the world, and uh, people like her, like Robin Williams, people like that mm-hmm. become depressed, and it just shows that it's not just people... That is not, that can't make you happy in the world if you have all that. Because no, it doesn't. Because there's too many people out there that have depression just like people who don't have a pot to piss in. Exactly. There is no cure for depression. Uh, I have been suffering from depression since I was about 12. Yeah. So we're going on, oh my goodness, like 18 years now. Um, I have to take a regimen, uh, prescribed, you know, medications to make myself what I always say, I need to function in society. But let me ask you though, so since if you feel comfortable about talking about it, the medicine that you take, does it, what does it do? How does it make you feel? Um, that is a great question because I just actually had a conversation with a dear friend of mine a couple of days ago and this person reached out to me because, you know, if you're really close to me, you know that I suffer from severe anxiety and de- almost debilitating depression at times yeah and this person reached out to me because they let me know oh hey my you know I take the same drug as you my physician upped my dosage mm-hmm. um when am I gonna feel normal again yeah when when am I gonna feel you know when am I gonna feel something and, and my explanation on that was look I don't know what normal is mm-hmm. um all I can tell you is that now when I have bad days I recognize the bad days whereas when I was severely depressed I recognize the good days so now I know more of what my bad days actually look like. My bad days are I cry. I don't want to get out of my bed. I can't eat. I don't want to talk to anybody. And those are far or fewer between now than what they used to be because I can recognize that. Whereas when I was in my deep spiral, I didn't recognize that. So you're saying that the medication helps you realize your bad days? Well, no. I mean, I, it does, you know, obviously uh, it has 
you know, it balances out your chemical imbalances that you have. So you know, it, it kind of numbs your bad days in a way? No, it doesn't numb. It just helps restore balances within, you know, obviously within your brain that you should have always had. Now, each drug is going to do something different. You've got SSRIs. You've got, what else do you got? So, are you an advocate of... Uh, yes. medication for people who are depressed. I'm an advocate for whatever's going to help you not not feel that way. Yeah. I mean, if it's you need to go out and you need to run three miles a day, by God, I will I will move my car over so you've got the right of way. So how come it don't help everybody? How come there's still well, people every, that fail to the um, everybody's everybody's body disease. is different. Yeah. Everybody's different. Yeah. What might work for me is not going to work for you. You yeah. know the the best uh, the best example I can give of that is you know my mother and I. We both suffer from very similar similar issues, and we were both actually on the same regimen uh, of medications. And a drug that worked for her absolutely done the opposite effect for me. Yeah. It made me very aggressive. It made yeah. me very angry. It yeah. made me want to lash out at people. Really? So, you know, here are two people with similar genetic makeups, mm-hmm. same disease, mm-hmm. same medications, opposite effects. Yeah. My body metabolized something different than the way her body did. Well, that just goes to show that no matter how much money, fame, or your age, that you could be falling under that deep hole of depression. They say it's the darkest place you will ever go. It is. It really is. It's one of the, it's the most lonely place. You know, I had somebody tell me, because I did, you know, I've done therapy for a while, and I had somebody explain to me that depression could obviously be no worse than hell because you live in your own personal hell. Oof. That's terrible. Well, Amber, let's change the subject. Let's get off that. Switch gears here to something really exciting for me. I don't know if this will be that exciting for you, but last Monday night, oh, I watched the 25th anniversary of Monday Night Raw. Raw, not Raw. Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw is definitely, it was my soap opera back in my day. You know how old women and women, they like to watch Days of Our Lives and Mm-mm. Young and the Restless and All My Children, if that's even still on. But all those shows they used to watch. Monday Night, for me, was my soap opera. It was a male soap opera. There was a lot of females watched it too, but it was seriously the most entertaining piece of of footage ever shown on television. It was great. Every Monday, the Austin versus McMahon feud, the WCW Monday Night Wars, DX, Val Venus, Godfather and his hoe train, all these things. Did you just say hoe train? Yeah. All of these things were on Monday Night Raw back when I watched it, but I started to think, what made Monday Night Raw so successful? It was because everything worked together at one time. Everything they had all just kind of exploded at once. And I looked at when I watched Monday Night Raw. It lasted from, it started in 1993, and it's still going on today. I started watching it in 1996. I was eight years old. About the right time, a, a young kid probably starts watching wrestling. And I remember that it seemed to be, from 1996 to when I stopped, 2004, that that stretch of wrestling was the best was the best it was the attitude era is what they called it and i I said what made it so good it's because everything clicked and worked at once they had the best announced team the audience was good they had it targeted towards 21 year old and up they didn't have it targeted towards children they had uh the storyline they had one of the best writers to ever work in an entertainment industry show vince russo they had the brilliant vincent kennedy mcmahon Coming out there being an on-camera persona, he created Mr. McMahon, which I have to say, 
the Mr. McMahon character is probably the best character Vince McMahon ever created. Better than Stone Cold, better than Hulk Hogan. The Mr. McMahon character was great. So I watched it. It started off with Vince McMahon coming out there, Stone Cold getting a, uh, giving him the Stone Cold Stunner, giving Shane McMahon the Stone Cold Stunner. Oh, man, I love Shane McMahon. DX came out, and they had their little reunion. They had, they had all the divas come out, like Trish Stratus and Tori Wilson. They had all those people. And they had a bunch of like old managers come out. Overall, I'm going to rate the show as good because they can. They had. They did what they could do with it, and uh, I think that we all like to cling on to these old wrestlers. We all like to cling on to Triple H and Stone Cold. But we, what I realized on Monday when I was watching that show is, it's never going to be the same because no. they're old, and we forget that they're old. We expect when they walk through that curtain that they're going to look like what they looked like in 1999. It's not going to look like that I'm anymore. sorry, but Stone Cold and Jean Shorts now is not going to have the effect it had almost 20 years ago. And Stone Cold with his fanny pack, yeah. But, <laughs> oh my God, Stone Cold was the only man in the world that could wear a fanny pack, Jean Shorts, and still look like a complete badass. badass. And I, I don't understand it. He pulled it off. I don't even think it was cool to wear that in the late 90s. No. But he wore it. And they were so tight. And he still looked like a complete badass. Like, you were scared to death of him. And I was like, wow. Like, only Stone Cold. I, I don't think he came out. I think he had tight jeans on and black boots. And, uh, you know, he was still entertaining. And I have to say, he does look good for his age. They all look good for their age. Yeah, to be wrestlers. You know, because wrestlers don't live very long. Yeah, no, they all they all look good. They all look good. I mean, they all look good for what their bodies have been through. But they're not the same. And I think that we keep expecting them to walk through that curtain and look exactly like they did in 99, 2000, but they don't. And it's never going to be the same. We should chalk that up as the best era in wrestling. It's, it was the golden age. Quit hoping it's going to be like that again because it's not. Nope. Eventually, the WWE will die down because Vince McMahon's 72. When he leaves it, the Triple H, Stephanie, and Shane, they're going to be able to sustain it, but it's never going to be as entertaining as no. it once was. Speaking of Vince, he announced that in 2020, he will be restoring the XFL, which is a football league. He's competing oh. with the NFL. He wants to start out with eight to ten teams, and he's wanting to put it on NBC. NBC will cover all the footage, and uh, they are going to have uh, complete rosters for each team and a completely different league. It's a new league, like the NBA, the NFL, there's the XFL. You know, Vince started that in 2000. One, but it failed miserably after one season. But he thinks that timing is everything, which I agree. And he thinks yes. that in 2020, it's going to be the right time. So he released this little press conference uh, to the public. He said, what is it that you fans want? Do you think football should be shorter? Do you think football should be faster? He's like, you let us know what you you want, and we got two years to make it right. And in 2020, this will be the league that you will want to watch. What do you think of it? Do you think Vince can succeed by attempting the XFL again in 2020. Well, I mean, look at it. He took something that people used to do in their backyards and made it into, I mean, kind of what it is now. I mean, a global it, phenomenon. Wrestling. Yeah. He was the first person wrestling back in the day. It was territorial. There was never a national show. There was a territory in Ohio and Indiana and California. Vince McMahon was a territory in Connecticut, and his territory was called the WWF. A little small territory. Hulk Hogan was a nobody. He was his main little wrestler. He says, you know what? I'm going to take Hulk Hogan, I'm going to take my territory, WWF, and I'm going to go national. And he put all these other territories out of business, which his father would have wrote over in his grave if he knew he did that. And he 
got a primetime show on USA Network and completely demolished, made WrestleMania, completely demolished all these territories, and now WWE is a national, it's on the National Stock Exchange. Well, and I mean, I just, I think, you know, here I was, you know, you talked about watching it from, from 96 to 2004. I mean, I probably was with you from probably about 96, we'll say 2002. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I watched it as well. You know, here I was playing Barbies, yeah. you know, but Monday night at what, you know, eight, was it eight or? Nine o'clock. Nine, on, nine o'clock. You know, nine o'clock, I was in front of the TV with my papa. You yeah. know, I'm ready to watch. Your papa uh, watched it. Oh, my gosh. My papa, my, you know, Randy watched it. I mean, it was something that was almost kind of like a family thing, you know, like everybody sit down, shut up and watch somebody get it's funny you said that. In an interview in 2001, Vince McMahon said that Monday Night Raw was the most family-watched show on Monday nights. It really was. It was I the most family-watched show. I'm living proof that it really was. Yeah, it brought families together. Everybody wanted to watch it. Mom watched it. Dad watched it. Brother, sister watched it. And everybody would gather. It's the one thing you get along on. Because back in the day, in 2000, early 2000s, late 90s, if you missed it, you missed it. Yep. There was no YouTube. There was you could not go online and look it up. It didn't a clip. show. This is what happened last week. On no, if you if you didn't catch it that night, then you were lost. Come yeah. next Monday. Yeah, yeah, you missed it. And they might would show you know what happened like a little uh, replay, a couple of but clips. it was a couple clips. And sometimes they didn't even show video. They would show still clips, like uh-huh. pictures. So if you missed it, you missed it. So nobody missed it. You couldn't rewind it. If you missed it on TV, you couldn't rewind to see what it was. Say, oh, what did they just do and rewind it? You just it just happened in your face. Yep. Every Monday. And, and if um, you did want to watch it and you couldn't watch it, then guess what you had to hook up? You had to hook up your VCR. You had to hook up the old VCR, which you have over here in the studio. I do. Why? You know, well, do you want the truth or do you want the lie? I want the truth, obviously. Um, I have Cyber Seduction, His Secret Life, recorded on VHS. With Jeremy Sumter. <laughs> With Jeremy Sumter. Um, so that you I want to watch it? Really... Why don't just get online and watch it? <laughs> it's not the same. Well, yeah, you got to have the like it's... the little squiggly lines. Through yes, I want that that back that back static. I just I want I you know I, I I'm almost thirty. I want to relive my childhood to. To all extremes. I want to recapture as many of those moments as I possibly can. And if that means I still a VCR player for my in-laws, so be it. Amber, you just said you're almost 30. Oh, God. Let's not talk about it. I turned 30. You did. Last week. I turned 30 years old. I went to the Hollywood Casino. We watched you. And I uh, had a little celebration with my friends. January 20th, 1988, my dear old mother gave birth at 9.39 p.m. To this to monstrosity this, of a man. To this man that you hear right now. And uh, 30 years later, I am now reflecting back on the 30 years of my life. Because whenever you turn a new decade, you have a lot of self-reflection. You start reflecting a lot about where your life is now, where, where, it, what, was, where it was. Where you, you start reflecting. Go. You'll know what I'm talking about. I will say this. The hardest day for me... For my birthday. It wasn't my actual birthday. It was the day before. It was being the last day of 29. Because I knew that when it hit 12 o'clock, there was nothing that I could do about it. I can never say, oh, I'm 20-something, and that be the truth. I would be lying if I said I was 20-something. I'm no longer 20-something. I nope. never can say it. But I will say this. It has been one hell of a decade. 20 to 29. I couldn't have had a better 20s. I wouldn't have done anything different. I went to the college I wanted to, graduated college, graduated grad school, met some of the best people that I've ever met. I wasn't a part of that era, though. You wasn't part of that era. You was a part of the... Uh, <laughs> I was seven. But um, you were a part of the era. Yes, I, we were very much a part of each other's era. Yeah, you, you were part of the era for sure in the 20s. Like I think we, I think we became really close in our 20s. 
I think it was probably like 1819 is kind of what really that shaped it. I, but the but the 20s for us, it really I don't know, we really bonded. You you got to remember tw- it goes back a long time ago. I yeah. was 20 in 2008. Yeah. So we were definitely a part of each other's lives. But anyway, I did a lot of self-reflection and uh I started you know thinking, you know, am I a failure? Am I successful? Am I where most people my age are? Do know. you have singular? I don't have singular anymore. <laughs> I do have Verizon, but I don't know. I mean, I really don't. I don't. What is success? You know, what does make a thirty-year-old successful? I mean, is it is it having your own house? Is it having your you know the job that you want? What is successful? So I decided that what makes a person successful at the age of thirty is someone who can be self-supportive. Okay. Someone who is happy and someone who has their health. And I have all three. So I'm going to say 30 years old, I'm going to say that I'm a pretty successful 30-year-old because I have all three of those things. I'm self-supportive. Yeah. I can buy the things that I want. I'm a happy person, which we talked about a little earlier in the show. That's very important. And I have health. You don't have health, you don't have anything. You can't do anything. No, you did. Usually if you don't you, have health. You did. Yeah, you did. You did. But 30 years old, it's... I won't ever forget that girl... Asking me how old I was, and I said I was 29. Ooh. And she said, ooh. Gross. She said, gross. Ooh, gross. <laughs> I said, what do you mean, ooh, gross? Do you know how many times I've told that story? And I laugh just as hard each time. Ooh, gross. I'm like, you'll get there ooh. one day eventually if you're lucky. You'll turn gross. 30. Ooh, gross. <laughs> like, gross. go on somewhere. <laughs> gross. Are you excited about turning 30? You know, uh... I am. Um, unfortunately, you know, this this year so far has started out a little different than most years. Uh, started school back, full-time college student. Yeah, how's that going? Um, it fucking sucks. Why? Um, so, okay, let me think of the best way I can describe this. I don't have anything in common with these people. I have nothing in common because you're almost 30. Well, no, you know what? I think back to when I was, you know, 18, 19, you know, years old. Um, I'm taking a, um... Uh, a 300 level, you know, biology class and, um, went, it's a night class, not really happy about it, but you know, it's a night class was there. And you know, anybody who knows me knows I'm very candid. Yeah. I'm extremely candid. There is nothing in this world that I won't say to somebody, exactly. you know, if I need to look at you and be like, Oh shit, man, I need to fart. I don't care to say things like that. Or if you say my, sh- my Uggs look, Oh my, his shoes are terrible. Just let me point that out. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so, walking out of class on a thirsty, a thirsty, I'm tired as hell, because yeah. I've done been at work all day, you know, I'm a laboratory supervisor, I've done been at work all day, concentrating, I'm going to come in here, listen to this woman talk about some shit that I could get up and teach the class. Yeah. You know, I'm only taking it because of damn colleges, I have to. Yeah. So, what class is it? Uh, it's human physiology. Okay. So, I mean, I could get up and teach this class. Okay. Like, she's talking about blood glucose. I'm a diabetic. She's talking yeah. about, you know, uh, <laughs> arterial blood gases. My husband does that every day, you know, at UK. Okay. So, you know, she's talking about all these things I know everything about. Well, lo and behold, you know, finally leaving. She ha- keeps us over, of course. So, it's almost 9 o'clock. I'm finally leaving. I get out. I'm walking. I'm debating my life. Why the hell am I here? I don't need to be doing this shit. I need to just get this money back and save it. I can find something else to do in life. And lo and behold, there's some girls who are behind me. Now, boys, let me tell you. 
I am chubby. Mm-hmm. We all know this. You, everybody's looking at me right now. I am chubby. Well, everybody's listening to you. Well, in the studio, in the studio, looking everybody's at looking at me. <laughs> yeah. I am chubby. You know, I I went from being you know mildly chubby, severely chubby, morbidly obese. You know, I'm back to just mildly chubby. Okay, now. and and I, I point that out because if you ain't chubby, by God, you can't say nothing about other chubby girls. You know, <laughs> just just don't. You just an asshole. Then. Yeah. So, there's these girls walking behind me. They're walking. <laughs> Here I am with my little LL Bean backpack at youth size because my husband hates me. Um, these you, girls... You have an LL Bean backpack still? They still sell those? Yes, they do. Okay. And it's a youth size. It lights up and everything. Do people still wear those? Or are you the only one that... No, no, no. Everybody has okay. them, actually. I actually feel very... Sure. I'm very trendy in that sense. Okay. So, I'm walking, and, you know, I, I don't wear makeup very often, but I have many friends who do. I have many friends who are makeup artists, who, you know, are estheticians, cosmetologists. Yeah. Um, so, I, these girls are talking fairly loud. Uh-huh. So, I glance back, because I want to see who in the hell is talking this damn loud at 9 o'clock at night. Yeah. Like, reflect on your life and go home. Yeah. I turn around, and this poor girl, she's extremely big. Her pants don't fit, cutting her in two. Her sweater don't come down enough to cover over that cut, so she's got the muffin top rolling. Bitch don't look like she tripped and fell in a can of paint as much makeup as she got on. Oh, wow. Her hair is terrible. I'm like, baby girl, don't. Don't. And her friend is just as bad. Oh, my God. Amber would never talk about nobody, would she, folks? I think we've established I will talk about every fucking body. Okay. But go ahead, continue. <laughs> myself included, though. Myself included. <laughs> so, you know, her and her friend, they looking like a hot mess. And here I am. I'm walking again. Just want to get the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. And she starts telling a story. Mm-hmm. And the story she told, I swear to God, made me blush. And you know that's almost impossible. Yeah. You can't make me blush. Yeah. Um. So, I'm just going to say it. It is going to be very candid. So, if you don't want to hear it, uh, I, suggest it you, uh, I suggest you mute us for the for the next 30 seconds. <laughs> so, the girl's talking about how her boyfriend broke up with her. We're three days into the semester. I just want to let you guys know that uh, they canceled the first two days of classes. So, she's downloaded Tinder because her boyfriend has broken up with her. Yeah. And then she proceeds to tell her friend, well, you know, I went on that date with that Tinder guy I met. And, you know, he fucked me in the ass, but that don't count. Oh, yeah. We talked about this last episode about how no, not last. This was a, a, a an off an off off camera t- conversation that we had. This is when we just talked on the phone. Oh, we never yes. broadcasted. We never this broadcasted story. this. Oh so here I am, this girl, and I will not get nearly as hype as what I did when we talked. I've had time to calm down now. It definitely counts. It it very much counts. Oral it, sex counts. I think oral sex, anal sex, sex counts. It counts. I mean, if you anal are, sex should count double. It, it should count double. I mean, because that's that's a lot of work. That's, that's a, a lot of work. That's a lot of work for both people to well, have to go through that. You know I what mean, I mean? Bulls, you're two days into the semester. You done met somebody on Tinder and let him fuck you up the poop shoot. I just don't think yeah. that you should be talking about this out in public when there's everybody around. I would think that would damage your poop shoot if you had <laughs> a massive rod going up in there. You know what I'm saying? Something that is supposed to be used as an exit. Being used as an insert, I feel like it would destroy your poop shoe. I don't feel like you would ever be able to poop the same. Do you agree? I'm going to plead the fifth. You probably would. I'm going to plead the fifth. But ladies and gentlemen, there was some uh, more news uh, in the public school industry, in high school, uh, Floyd County, a place where me and Amber are both familiar with. It's bordering county, so our home county. A teacher from Floyd County was arrested after they found pot in her car. In her car. Teacher's aid... Um, 
canine unit came to the school, which I mean is something that happens very often back home. I think uh, more now than what it did when we were growing up. But homegirl put her weed in her car. Canine unit came through, sniffed her car out, and unfortunately she was taken down. Now, I say unfortunately because, you know, there are a lot of people in this world who do smoke marijuana. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, more more power to y'all. I've seen so many Snapchat videos over this weekend of friends that I have drinking and driving. Yeah. Drinking and driving. Yeah. And that has just blown my mind. It has upset me, actually, to... On all levels, I think. You saying to the extent of they show their alcohol? Yes, container. they. There were a couple people who were showing their alcohol containers That's while they were driving. Ridiculous. So I see people back home getting hype about this girl who had a little bit of pot in the back of her car, but yet I don't see anybody who's getting hype like, "Oh, hey, you probably shouldn't be doing that because you're gonna kill me and you and everybody else around you quicker than you having a little bit of pot in the back of your car. She's gonna go home and smoke." Yeah, the stigma that marijuana still has to a lot of people, especially older people. Uh, I'm sure these police officers were older. You know, her name is Ra Raquel Kane. Raquel. Raquel. Was she water black? Do you know? I think she is actually, um, I think she is, uh, white. I was actually going to try to be PC, but I blanked just now. I'm, I, I tried to Facebook stalk her because that's what I do. And, uh, I found a couple, um, and if it is the, you know, the person that I found, she actually looked very nice. She looked like somebody that I, we'd probably hang out yeah, with. Yeah, you would be surprised of the people who smoke. I mean, yep. you would be surprised of the positions people are in yep. that smoke. And I, it's amazing to me that the stigma of marijuana is still looked down upon when, uh, if you would have walked up to her car and was to see four or five bottles of Jack Daniel empty in the backseat of her car, nobody would have made a big deal of it. Nope. But the fact that they found a little sprinkles of pot in her car, now that she's looked upon as this terrible person, it amazes me that people uh, treat it like that. You know, you mentioned that people in your Snapchat were drinking and driving. You know the difference between a drunk person and a high person? A drunk person will blow through a stop sign. A high person will stop at a stop sign and wait for it to turn green. <laughs> so, Raquel... Bless her heart. I hope that she, um, I, I don't want to say anything bad about her. I, you know, she's stupid for having it in her car. Well, but shit, look at all those stupid things that everybody else has done. Yes, but you know, when you go to, when you go to a place where there's children, you need to really be careful what's in your there's car. There's children everywhere you go. Uh -huh. So why do I not see people getting on Facebook all the time bitching about, oh, well, this person's dating somebody who's 18 years old and they're a high school teacher. You mean to think that the first 18-year-old they probably touched wasn't 18 before that they started touching them? No. Now, I'm not saying that against everybody, but, I mean, it's just don't pick and choose what you're going to be pissed off about. That's not all that's been happening at high schools, Amber. Marshall no. County, Kentucky had a school shooting. I spent a lot of time in Marshall County. Uh, Marshall County borders Callaway County. Callaway County is where my alma mater is in Murray State. Mm -hmm. um, spent a lot of time in Marshall. Um, it's got uh, Anderson's to LBL. So it's close to Murray? It, you actually have been to Marshall County. Really? Yes. Okay. okay. Um, we actually, uh, when uh, me and Kendra uh, Hall, who has been my best friend since birth uh and my mom actually went to visit murray um when we were still in high school uh we stayed in marshall county um 
the drive-in. Remember I used to talk about that drive-in place that me and Ashley and Megan would used to go to to eat? Um, that was in Marshall County. So, I mean, there were a lot of things. I know a lot of people from Marshall well, County. Well, the school shooting happened. I think one, two people died. Um, unfortunately, there were several people injured. There were two children uh, who lost their lives that day, and I consider it a third. Yeah. Um, the shooter was a 15-year-old child uh, from that school. So, I think you've got two... Two 15-year-old children and a 16-year-old child. Yeah, the story is still developing, so I don't think really nobody knows the motive that the child had. Was somebody picking on him? Well, the thing that was a... You know, the thing... And that's the reason why I say, unfortunately, you know, we had three children who were lost that day is because someone made... You know, one of the children gave a statement that said, you know, the shooter... Uh, was always really sad and depressed. Yeah. And that links back to what we were talking about earlier. When you are depressed, you don't feel like there's a way out. Yeah. Do I think that you should take it out on other people? No, but I'm here to tell you sometimes you can't help it. Yeah. You know, sometimes you just can't help it because you can't control yourself. Exactly. If you can't control yourself, you definitely can't control what you do in your surroundings. <sighs> Well, what I found interesting about this story is that the news media, yeah, they showed it on the news. It appeared on the ticker and CNN and Fox News and all that, but it wasn't blown up to be this big deal. So that just proves that the media really does have control over what they want to make a big uh -huh. deal out of. Yep. You know, if if they wanted to make a big deal out of this, they could have made it a top story and everybody would have put more attention on it. So it's amazing how much control the media has on the entire world's mind they want to sh they want to convince you that whole oh, this is a big story this ain't this is a big story this ain't because whatever they're showing people like to watch and yep. be like oh okay well this must be a big story because everybody's talking about it marshall county there was no difference in marshall county and some of these other school shootings now granted there were more deaths with the schools like yeah, Columbine but and a Virginia death Tech. is a death is a death. It yeah. doesn't matter if there's twenty deaths or if there's five deaths. It's still children. Still children. It's still children. Yeah. And it's still someplace, you know, again, I mean that goes right back to, you know, to the Floyd County incident. You know, yeah, schools are supposed to be safe. Yep. Schools are supposed to be safe. So you mean to tell me they went and found some pot in that girl's car, but yet are the parents of the children who attend these schools are pissed because we think we want to put armed guards. We want to put armed guards. But yet, that's a, mm-mm, don't do that. Very sad. And uh, prayers go out to the family and the people of that school. Well, Amber, we're about ready to wrap things up. Are you going to watch the Super Bowl next weekend? I am. The Patriots, again, are in the Super Bowl. Tom Brady, unbelievable. Bill Belichick, unbelievable. They play the Eagles. I'm not going to watch for that. Yeah, they play the Eagles. My friend Chongo Notes is a huge Eagles fan, and I'm rooting against him just because he's a fan. Because he is definitely annoying when it comes to liking oh. the Eagles. But we'll talk more about the Super Bowl after the Super Bowl. But, Amber, I want to thank you for being in the studio and doing another episode of Off the Cuff. Thank you, Mr. Banks. And we'll see you in the next episode, everybody. Whoops.